Hello and welcome to the Sun Journal Sportscast. I'm your host, Adam Robinson. With me is my co-host, Lee Horton, the Sun Journal Sports Editor Extraordinaire. Today we have Bim Gibson on the podcast. Now, if you're from the Auburn-Lewiston area, you know Bim's voice. He's in his 30th year of doing play-by-play for the Edward Little Red Eddies football team. This year, the game is at Lewiston at Don Rue Field. The new and improved football field that Lewiston High School has. It'll be fun to see the rivalry take place there. But Bim joins us to give us a little bit of a history lesson on the Edward Little and Lewiston football rivalry that goes back to 1897. He's gone through yearbooks, gone through old articles, he's talked to people, and he's written a book, actually, about the history of this rivalry. So I thought, what better time to get Bim on the podcast than now, right before Edward Little and Lewiston take the football field on Friday. So uh, we talk to Bim, and then we preview this week's football games, and I give you a little bit of a cross-country state meet primer at the end of the episode. So don't miss it. So, without further ado, let's get to the interview that I had with Bim Gibson. All right, we now welcome onto the show Bim Gibson, the play-by-play voice for Edward Little football and basketball. He said it's his 30th year with the football team. Bim, thank you for joining me. That's a pleasure. All right, Bim, so you're uh, a bit of a historian. You're a, a history teacher and... You have done some books on the Edward Little and Lewiston rivalries and, and just the history of the two schools and sports. Um, what made you want to jump into uh, this topic, really? Yeah, uh, well, first of all, I always like to tell people I'm not a writer as much as I'm an anthologist. Yeah. I leave the writing to you guys that are actually the writers. Huh. Um but when I, uh, um, it actually started as sort of a joke because I was, as you remember, a former student of mine, uh, I used to have the, the students would do a project, but they had to do some kind of a history project. Right. This one young man wanted to do a history of, of uh, E.L. Lewis and football. So as I was helping him research, that kind of led me to writing the book about football. And then obviously basketball was just a natural progression after that. But right. pretty much started as just a classroom assignment. Wow. All right. So that makes I mean that makes a lot of sense. You 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 start looking into it. You have a, you've got a, a pretty big base of knowledge too, um, given what you what you do with El. So uh, that makes a yep. whole lot of sense. Um, where did you, in your book, where did you start? Like, what's the the earliest you you could find for information? Well, I went right back to the I went right back to the beginning. Um, uh, the football book. We went back and uh, and. and well, I started, you know, with the help of Google Archives and allowed me to kind of go back and look at all the old Sun Journal. Well, of course, it was the Lewis and Journal, Lewis and Sun back then. Yep. A lot of the articles, but I also kind of dug around the Auburn and Lewis and libraries and uh, and went back in the yearbooks. Uh, it's, yeah. it's a great thing. I mean, the yearbooks are a great thing to learn about uh, our local schools and uh, discovered that Yale, uh, the first Yale Lewis and football game was actually all the way back in 1897. Jeez. So I pretty much followed it from 1897 right up until, uh, you know, the book came out, uh, which I can't remember exactly what year the book came out. But uh, um, I think it was uh, around 2007 or something like that. Yeah. But since then, I've continued to uh, – I have notes on my iPad as far as – if I ever did another book, I'd be ready to go because I've been continually keeping, you know, records of games since the book came out. So. Right. 
1897 is when it started. Jeez. Okay. I didn't even know we were playing football back then. Um, <laughs> at, the, at the school. Uh, what's, you know, before you started doing games in the last 30 years and, and you do, you were doing research, um, that I guess like, you know, 70, 80 year period before you started, what's the, the wildest thing or, or something that jumps out to you from those games? Like what are some, uh, crazy well, interesting things that people might be interested in? Well, I'm, I'm partial to the extent that I graduated uh, from Evelyn in 1979. So I was fortunate enough to play for Doc Kirkerson and fortunate enough to grow up in the Lewis and Arby area in the 70s, where I would argue was probably the most competitive era uh, combined of E.L. Lewis and football. Now, that's not to say there wasn't other great teams. I mean, Lewiston in the 1960s was the dominant program of the entire state. Matter of fact, they were all the way back into the 1920s as well. Oh, okay. uh, but as far as both teams being really good at the same time, um, I would have to say the 1970s, and that's you know right around when I was either in middle school going to watch games or, in fact, yeah. um, being on the teams. I was lucky enough to be on two state championship teams. So, okay. obviously, all that had uh, a lot to do with my uh, interest in the sport. Right. Yeah, that'll do it. Um, who's Who are some of the, the, the best players you've seen or, or you've read about? I mean – to, to me, what yeah. obviously jumps out is uh, Jared Turcott from Lewiston about yeah, absolutely. 10, 20 years ago. I mean, um, obviously, whenever you start getting into what was the best and, and whatnot, I think it's always somewhat subjective. Yeah, different um, areas, I also right? think I also think that the uh, um, the running backs and the quarterbacks tend to get a lot more ink than the really good offensive linemen and defensive yeah. linemen. So sometimes those guys don't get enough credit. We can go. I know we don't have a lot of time today, but we go on and on and on about how many great lineman i mean probably the most celebrated football player in lewis and auburn was actually a lineman uh jerry even more than turcott uh jerry raymond uh from the mid-70s at lewiston actually went all the way and uh, was a third round draft pick to new york giants oh wow and he was a four uh, yeah he, he actually played uh for the giants for a, a little while in the uh in the early 80s actually played for the boston breakers of the world football league before he went to the Giants, and I believe he was a four-year starter at Boston College. So Jerry Raymond probably would, and he was an offense-defensive lineman. Yep. But as far as you know, the running backs that get all the, the publicity. I mean, I, I would argue that yeah, I would agree with you. I think Turcott arguably was the best of all of the uh, Lewis and uh, running backs over the years. Yep, he's definitely yeah. good. Well, you said you wanted to go. You could go on and on about linemen. Like who, who has. You know who are who are some of the names that stick out to you? Where'd they go? El Lewis and what? If you if you want to go on about a, a couple guys that that stick out to you, go right ahead. Well, I mean, I mean, one of the things that yeah, if, if Brad Sloat's listening, he'll love this because he uh, he was a very good lineman in the early '70s at uh, at Little. But there's so many others that uh, were really good. But I, I when Brad Sloat uh, later uh, was coaching. Uh, the Ed Little uh, football teams, they had some uh, excellent teams under Gene Keene in the uh, early 2000s. Yeah. And I, I was getting a kick out of that, that that year, the Ed Little line, six of the guys, they also were track athletes, and they finished in the KVACs number one through six in the throwing competitions oh, and whatnot. So these guys were big, strong guys. Yeah. This was in the early days of weightlifting and when kids were getting bigger and stronger. And... Um, and uh, so that line kind of jumps out at me a little bit. But uh, now the other reason I kind of jumped on the line thing is I was thinking about Jerry Raymond and you had asked about who was the best overall. And I said, well, how many guys 
you know, for me on Lewis and have actually played pro, you know, not too many, if, if any, and, and Raymond was about the only one I could think of, but, yeah, um, right. yeah but, uh, you know, obviously the lines are pretty good. There was another great story back in the world war two, where there was a uh, lineman for Edward little, um, drawing a blank on his name, but he actually played his sophomore year at Edward little. Um, and then he played his senior year at Edward Little, but his junior year he couldn't play because he was busy fighting in World War Two. Oh, <laughs> if you can imagine that. I mean, you think yeah. about some of the kids today and they're complaining about doing too much homework. And right. here's a guy that actually took a year off of high school to go fight in a world war. <laughs> Went to war, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so it's, uh, it was totally. definitely a different time. Yeah, definitely. A totally different time. It's not even like a, a conceivable time for, for a lot of people my age, right? right? Yeah. Um, wow. Okay, so... That's that's a, a a good nugget there. That's that's awesome. Um, so this year, both teams are have kind of struggled. I mean, Class A is a really hard class to be in. Um, you've seen yeah. the, the EL home games this year. How many times yeah. do do these two teams kind of match up? Uh, kind of down in the dumps a little bit and and not doing too yeah. well. I think it'll be a, I think it'll be a fun game. I mean, I think that. One of the good things when you have a rivalry, then it doesn't matter. You can throw the records out. You can throw everything else out. I mean, oh, yeah. kids usually know each other. Yep. And and I do believe that, uh, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, the two teams, I think, are relatively even yes. <laughs> this year. I mean, if you look at their uh, uh, scores against, you know, comparable com- opponents, they're, they're pretty close. I mean, they both yep. lost Oxford Hills, Bangor, you know, teams like that by, by you know, a good amount. But I do know that both teams have, have fought hard. Um, I know Ed Little uh, played spirited against Thornton Academy the other night, which obviously I think I think most people would agree Thornton's the top team in the state. And, and EL, uh, they were outmatched, but they played hard. Yeah. And uh, and I think that they have uh, a good sense of spirit. I think there's been a lot of stuff that both teams have been through this year. So I think as it comes to the end of the game and on Friday night, I think you're looking across the line saying, okay, well, here's this is a game I think I can win. And yeah. I think both teams will probably feel that way, and I think it will be a competitive game. And I'm look, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm, uh, it's a game I don't have to announce. I can just walk around and watch it. Oh, so, there you uh, go. Yeah. And, and I, actually, I've never seen a football game at the New Lewiston Field, too, so that would be kind of fun. Oh, it's nice. Yeah, it's a really nice field, a really nice complex. Um, yeah, there, I, I talked to Justin Bisson, the the new, uh, I guess, interim head coach right now at Lewiston, and, and Dave Sterling both yesterday, yep. and they – they were saying a lot what you what you said. They're, all their guys will be ready to play, and they're ready to go, and they're uh, they're always amped for it, right? Right. Yeah. And you think about it. Uh, I, you know, I was trying to think of uh, you know trying to speculate what we'd be talking about today, and I was trying to think of some of the best El Lewis and games of all time. And I would argue yeah. that a couple of years ago, two thousand eighteen. Yes. Um, yes. Even though neither neither team was overly great. I mean, Ed Lewis was like one and seven that year. I think Ed was like four and four. But I would argue that they had two of the best games ever in the rivalry that year when they played, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the 18 to 13, uh, excuse me, the 26, 22 game at the end of the season when EL came back with less than a minute to win. Yeah. And then they played the very next week, um, yeah. this time at Walton <laughs> and the same thing happened, right? EL was losing and they came back in the last minute or so and, yeah. and stole that one 18 to 13. So th- I think that is kind of what we're looking forward to this Friday is that two teams that might not be, you know, real, real strong, but they are competitive with each other, and they do want to both win, and uh, it'll be fun for the kids on both teams. Yeah, I did want to ask you, like, what what games stick out? And that's that, that was going to be my answer when they, they went yeah. back to back. 
Well, I think those those two were in recent history the games that stand out. I think uh, two others again selfishly. Um, number one, the one that I think most people would agree is the greatest E.L. Lewis game of all time was the one way back in 1977 when, and the reason I picked that year is that Lewis, Edward Little was the defending state champions. They had coming off an undefeated state championship year in 76, 77. They hadn't lost any games. They only had one tie. So they were like the number two seed. Yep. Lewiston was dominant all year. They were undefeated. And here it was, Walton Field. Now, back then, there was no playoffs. So it was either you won the North or you won the South, and that was it. Oh, gotcha. And so whoever won that game, the last game of the season, was going to be the Northern champion because Lewiston was undefeated and Edward Little had only had one tie. Yeah. And it was a back-to-back game, and Edward Little pulled it out 22-20, to and I was I was a junior on that team, yep. so obviously impartial. But I know that, uh, I don't know, the Portland Press-Herald came out with an article a long time ago that said it was the number one high school football game of that century. Wow. You know, they picked they picked it as the number one, which you know obviously is subjective, but that was the one they chose. And so I always lean to that one being the the best one. But then a little bit later, in uh, I believe it was two thousand and two, um, they both ended up meeting each other for the northern championship because oh. of a series of upsets. Yeah, they ended up playing each other for the right to go to the state championship game and it ended up being a double overtime game oh, that was won on a field goal um yep. that EL won 16 to 13 in two overtimes and wow. and I remember that game because it was so cold yeah and and, and 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 the PA system I was announcing the game and uh the PA system went out and it was because they sold too much pizza or something the pizza they had a pizza company there to sell pizza and it ended up yep. blowing you know, overloading the electrical and, and so there was no, and they were worried that the game was going to go into too many out overtimes because they didn't have any lights because the power had gone out yeah. and it was, uh, it was a fun game, but EL, it was 2002 and EL won 16 to 13. They lost to Portland the state game the next week. But, um, but that was, that was definitely fun too. And Jimmy Harrison actually was the coach of that 2002 team and he was oh, yeah. the quarterback of the uh, of the 77 games so he was definitely involved in both games too right He's been so those are the two that always stand out to me yeah definitely that's awesome what uh i want to ask you as a as a player on that um 77 team what's and you and you don't have playoffs so it's it's win and go to the states or lose and go home um that was it yeah, yeah that was it so the regular season games made a lot back then and yeah. uh it was a whole different time. The other thing you got to understand in the 70s is that, um, it, especially in our communities, Lewis and Auburn, the, the amount of kids that wanted to play football was just through the roof. In fact, it, plus, like, Ed Little, for instance, was only a three-year high school at the time. All the ninth graders would go to um, would go to Walton. Oh. And we also, of course, this was before Poland High School, so all Poland, Minot, Cannon Falls kids also went to Ed Little. And oh. so we would have literally, like, 70 kids out for football and yeah. on, on friday night or after practice on thursday you'd anxiously go to your locker to see if you get a uniform to see if you're actually suiting on friday night which back then it was an incredible honor and now you know the kid teams have like maybe 30 kids on the entire roster and they include the freshmen and yeah and just the overall interest isn't what it used to be so it was a big deal so not only did a lot of kids play now granted there was a lot less of other distractions a lot of other things to do soccer hadn't really grown yet and sure. you know there wasn't there wasn't you know social media and there wasn't internet people didn't have ipads and phones and yep. so it was a bigger deal but 
you know, Ian Lewison used to draw between four and 6,000 people at all oh. the games in the 70s. I mean, you look at some of the pictures, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy how, how it was It was unbelievable. And we literally were, E.L. and Lewiston of the 70s, were the, the Bonnie Eagle Thornton Academies of today. Yeah. And we really were Holy. during the 70s, which was which made it kind of fun. So if you've, if you've ever been to, to Walton, um, so they would, they would uh, try to stick four, five, six thousand people into Walton Field? Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh. 4,000 was, was, was often, yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, you get four thousand people. I was crazy. I mean, in that game that I, I talked to you about, that seventy seven game, um, and there's lots of I have pictures of that game if I ever see it sometimes, show it to you. But yeah. they literally they had people climbing in the trees on top of the fences. I mean yep. it, it's absolutely nuts. I mean, we um I was a junior on that team and I, I played on the kickoff teams. I didn't play offensive defense or anything, but I was on the kickoff team and we literally would get pushed onto the field because the crowd was that packed even behind us yeah i mean it, 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 it's hard to even imagine today no i know but as you can imagine how small walton field is putting four thousand people there and literally they, the fans were literally right on top of of, of the players which right. was uh which was pretty crazy that's something else yeah if you've ever been to walton field and then just pictured yeah four to six thousand people there that's insane oh yeah that's really yeah, cool it was fun yeah right i bet <laughs> That's uh that's unbelievable. Well, uh, great. Yeah, I'm excited for for this week's, and I'm I'm glad I got you on, Bim, because um I was trying to think of who could who could talk about this game, and you're probably one of the one of the best people for it. So, um, well, I hope everybody shows up and supports the kids. I mean, they deserve right. it. They worked hard this year, and like, granted, right. both teams aren't spectacular, but it would be it'd be wonderful if uh, Lewiston would have a packed house on Friday for the kids. That'd be fun. Dude, Lewiston's been been bringing out big student sections even for regular season field hockey games this year they've been oh good they uh they're getting crowds so i i would i would think that that new field and and under the lights and i think it shouldn't be raining friday night so uh, <laughs> i think i think good. it'll be a, a a good one so i'm excited for it but uh, all right ben thank you so much for for coming on and and giving me some time here that that was really fun all right that was bim gibson the play-by-play voice for Edward Little football and basketball uh, for 30 years now, football. Uh, he was on a team, a couple of the EL teams in the 70s, and he gave some really good insight into the history of the Edward Little and Lewiston football rivalry. So thanks to him for coming on. Um, lead, both teams. I, yeah, I refer, I refer to his books a lot, by the way. Um, yeah. I don't I have his football book right now, but I have, for some reason, I have two of his uh, basketball books. Yeah. Um, like I, I think after the pandemic, I, I thought I brought a football book and a basketball book to my house, but I brought two basketballs. Okay, perfect. Uh, but there's I'll some good stuff. In, there's some really good stuff in those. Yeah, he said he just went through yearbooks and old uh, Sun Journal articles from the Google Archive, and yeah, um, yeah, he he went he went deep. So I've read his football uh, book, and I I'll take one of those basketball books off your hands for a little bit i'll borrow one of those but yeah yeah a lot of good stuff he was he was awesome yeah yeah so, so yeah yeah this year's game uh two teams that haven't had the greatest of seasons but uh like bim said and and both coaches told me earlier in the week um their players don't really care about the the records they're just they're they're going to be ready to play um yeah and that's what i expect i expect to uh, a really good contest, real close contest, I think, from these two teams. 
Yeah, um, I yeah I, I like these games just as much. These rivalry games when they're only playing for pride. Yeah, um, I think it's that's kind of exciting itself. Sometimes, I mean, obviously a team wants to be playing for the playoffs, but um, yeah, it's always nice when just beating the other team is the most important important part. Um, because yep. uh, and I don't think either team can make the playoffs. Is that right? I think they're no, I think they're both done. It's it'll be very unlikely for them to have to make. Like, I, think, I think a team just looking at the the uh, crab trees earlier this week. It seemed like it'd be very unlikely because I don't think either team is worth a lot of hill points. But um, right. so it's also like their last game, and I'm yeah, I, I'm interested to see uh, well just kind of how they play because they've had they've both had to play a, some really really hard teams this season, right? And so. Um, they're kind of finally playing a team that's on their level in a way. I mean, they have before, but um, it'll be interesting to see, especially like uh, Edward Little, since they don't have any wins, like how, you know, can they get that first one? Because I hate, I hate the fact that they've gone winless the last in 2019 and then this season so far. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. but then Lewis, only has one win this season. Um, and so, Right, it's not like it's, that it's not much like better. they're world leaders. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but Seems yeah, like... both the coaches are are pretty optimistic and and excited. And I mean, those players and and coaches, they all know each other and hang out with each other and stuff. So, um, they're ready to go. And that yeah. two uh, really fun quarterbacks, Jack Keefe, has been productive for EL. Um, even if the the win column doesn't show it, he's had he's had a good season. And then Donovan Jackson, since being put in. Uh, you know, middle of the season at quarterback has done some really good things, according to Justin Bisson and and Will Kramlick, I think, has covered a game and uh, said that. So um, two fun quarterbacks and, and two teams that they're just going to get up and they're going to be ready for it. I'm, I'm yeah. excited, for the, excited for the game. Yeah, and I think it seems like um, you would lean towards Lewiston, and I guess I would too, but um, Edward, Little, Edward Little has scored points against really good teams, even – Yep. Sometimes it's probably been against really good teams as backups mostly, but they they have uh, Aaron Morris, who, who calls a lot of the games. He said that EL has really like played to the end of every game. Right. Um, so, but uh, I think Donovan Jackson will be tough to stop. Just that kind of an athlete. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see who who pulls off the win. Who can win this game? Yep, I'm excited. Uh, I mean, Dave Sterling, David Sterling, the coach, was saying that. They've played real well, and then they get teams on like third and long, and then they give it up, and then they give up points and stuff. And so it's just little yeah. mistakes, but um, yeah, it should be fun. It's going to be hard. You're right to to stop Donovan Jackson. He'll be um, uh, a player to watch, obviously. Um, just real quick, in in Class A, we have Bangor going to Oxford Hills also on Friday. Um, yeah, um, that's a good one. That's uh, yeah, that'll be really fun. Yeah. That's a, that should be a really good game, if you know. Yeah. I think if not for uh, Edward Little and Lewiston playing each other and um, Deer going Mountain Valley in a playoff game, we definitely would be at the at the Bangor Oxford Hills game because it's it's like the third time this year that Oxford Hills has had a game of the year type of game, right? Um, and it would have been four if the, if Scarborough wouldn't have canceled the game last week. Um, yeah. So I don't know, Bangor. They beat everybody. They beat yeah. and they they win these close games against, uh, I think Scarborough and, and Bonnie Eagle. And yep. uh, 
Uh, yeah, it's going to be tough. tough uh, the mistakes that Oxford Hills made against uh, Thornton Academy, Thornton Academy, two weeks ago, they'll have to clean those up to beat Bangor. Yeah, yeah. Eli Soren was, according to his coach and dad, Mark Soren was trying to do too much in that first half against. Yeah. Um, Thornton. So yeah, they can't have that happen because Bangor. Yeah. Their only loss also is to Thornton Academy. Um, yeah. They beat Scarborough 37 to 36. And then they beat uh, last week, they beat Bonnie Eagle uh, 37 to 30. So yeah. you're right. They've beat everybody. They can play with anybody except maybe Thornton. That Thornton score still confuses me a bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this will be, you're right. If we didn't have two other really big games in our area, this would probably be our game of the week type thing. Cause um, two really fun teams. Yeah, and they um they're basically playing for second place in Class A, which is pretty much uh, playing to see who would host in the semifinals against these two teams. I'm, I'm thinking. Yeah, um, Bangor is so, yeah. another one of those teams that uh, a couple years ago was kind of down and struggling, and then has worked its way up, kind of like Oxford Hills, um, to to the top of this class a and it's it's become a you know a five team group at the top so yeah which has made it just all the more fun so i've i'm uh, excited to see how this one turns out yeah um and then uh deer go and and uh mountain valley that'd be a fun rivalry rematch in the postseason um yep. that we deer go won the first meeting 16 to 6 which is kind of low scoring for them and Mountain Valley has only lost Deergo and two large school teams this year. Right. Yeah. They're uh and they're figuring it out. They're scoring a lot of points now um at the right time. Um and then last game they Mountain Valley beat Boot Bay in the playoffs to get here. And um there was that Robert Levely. I'm gonna go with that. I, I'm not sure how you uh, say his last name, so excuse me, but he had five interceptions. He brought two of them back for touchdowns. He had two rushing touchdowns and a passing touchdown. Uh, and we were told that, and it, it makes sense now that I think about it, but he wasn't in that first year ago game that they lost earlier in the season. Um, so if he's back against Dirigo, which has also kind of figured it out and started scoring a bunch, I, I'm very excited for tomorrow night's game. It, it shouldn't be rainy or anything. It should be good weather, and um, the communities are going to come out for uh, a playoff game between teams that are just down the road that I think has only happened like one other time in their history or maybe never. So uh, I'm really excited for, for this one in, in eight man. Yeah, that'd be fun. Um, and I think the other big game is uh, Spruce Mountain at Mer- Mount Ararat because uh, Spruce Mountain lost to Mount Ararat first game of the season, but they, okay. They're playing their first eight-man game. They didn't have their quarterback, Cam Phillips, friend of the pod. And um, and so I think they've wanted to really see how they can stack up. So this is their chance. Uh, but also Mount Ararat is really good. So yep, it's not just like, oh, we want to see how we stack up, and that's going to be great. But it's going to be rough. It's going to be a t- tough game for them. To, not that they can't win, especially with the way their offense can score. Yeah, their offense, I think, is like 50 points a game in the last four games. Um they yeah. wanted like we when we talked to Cam a couple of weeks ago. They they said that they wanted this challenge and they wanted Chevrolet again. Um, they're gonna have to get through Mount Ararat to get to Chevrolet again. But um, if their offense can score 
and and just make it a boat race. They have a they've got a chance, and their defense, I mean, has been playing pretty well and not giving up too many points in the last few weeks. So um, we'll see. But you're right, Mount Ararat been around the block, really good team, um, strong team. So uh, it'll be a really tough game. I mean, that would be our we have probably four game of the week uh, te- games this week. Um, but that's kind of bound to happen in playoff time, right? So yeah, well that yeah, that's just Friday. I think um Saturday, Telstar and Miranda Cook could be another one. Yeah. Because uh it's kind of a rough, kind of a rough deal for uh Telstar to they finished first, they finished undefeated, and then they have a bye, and then their first playoff game is against Miranda Cook, yeah. which they beat in a close game, and Miranda Cook was kind of coming back from had some key players who had only practiced like once or twice. Mm-hmm. And so. Right. So um, that'll be an interesting one, right? It's a, the week off. They get to rest up and get everyone back on the team and, and ready to go. But uh, yeah, Miranda Cook's a team that gave him the biggest challenge. And and you you just wonder if, I mean, Telstar will be prepared, but it's the week off that you don't know if that's going to hurt them or help them or probably a little bit of both. Um, so that'll be that'll be interesting to see Saturday how that goes. Castell Star has been really excited in there. Coach Tim O'Connor is really excited about Will Will Doyle, their quarterback. He's just been improving every single week. He said, and um, they're they're really getting on the same page, O'Connor and Doyle. So uh, they're they're clicking. But it's that week off that I'll be interested to see how much that hampers them a little bit. Yeah, but I think also on the other side for Telstar, they they beat Miranda Cook in a close game, but they weren't. They were very unpleased with that game. So they're kind of coming into the game uh, wanting to prove something too because it seems like they're yeah. um, a little bit, I don't know if embarrassed is maybe that is embarrassed is too strong of a word, but they're not really proud of the way they played against Miranda Cook. So Right. It was a bit of a wake-up call because they were kind of feeling themselves. Um, yeah. and Miranda Cook came in and hit him in the mouth type of thing and, yeah. and woke him up a little bit. So, yeah, I'm sure they won't. They won't want that performance to happen twice in a row, and they're they're uh, well aware that how how talented Miranda Cook is and, and what happened last time. So yeah, you're right. They they should be uh, ready to go. So. And uh, yeah, and then I, yeah, but also I guess like you're, I was like thinking like oh it's too bad they had to play Miranda Cook in their first playoff game, but then the other two teams remaining are Deerago and Mountain Valley, and that's not really that's not that easy either. And you look at Deer yeah. and Mountain Valley have played like a totally different schedule than Telstar played. They didn't play a lot of the same teams. Nope. Um, and so it's hard to say exactly how Deergo and Mountain Valley are going to st- stack up against at, against whoever makes if if Telstar makes it to the final, the regional final. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Um, the other game Saturday is uh, Poland at Lisbon. Yep, which is pretty interesting. I think. Yeah, that'll be a fun game just because it'll be fun to be see where these teams are. Yeah. Um, Lisbon, real young team. I, I mean, Chris Cates told me last weekend that they just have three seniors. Um, Jimmy Fitzsimmons is their quarterback as a sophomore. Uh, oh. So, real young team. But they ran over Bucksport last week. Uh, I think, like, almost 300 rushing yards. So, uh, if they can run the ball, which, I mean, Poland will be ready for the run, but – if they can move the ball like that and Fitzsimmons made some good plays with his arm too. So um, you never know. It's a game that Lisbon could win and then they get into the playoffs kind of hot and, you know, anything can happen. So uh, it'll be, 
be neat to see how that one goes. It's another home game for Lisbon too. Yeah, and I think the last few years that uh, Lisbon plays a lot better in November than they do in September. Yeah, I think because I think there was, I think in two thousand and eighteen there was a playoff game against Oak Hill. There, well, I know there was, and I think Oak Hill had a better record, but um Lisbon upset them but maybe I'm thinking maybe it's the opposite and Lisbon and Oak Hill beat Lisbon but anyway yeah Lisbon yeah. could be coming around right you never know um because the, the Chris Kate said Fitzsimmons played his best game of the year last week against Bucksport when I watched and um they've got Jack Ramitz and they've got a couple other um they have uh is it Cody Lavasser Something Lavasser. I can't. It's it's escaping me right now. But their junior running back. He's a a brute. He just runs up the middle for three, four, five, and then twenty. Um, just, they wear you down. So, um, they're they're an interesting team. I, I I'd like to see how they do Saturday and then into the playoffs because yeah, they're they're not always the highest ranked team going in the playoffs like in twenty nineteen, and then they go and they win the state title. So, uh, we'll see see how they see how they do. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Um, and then the, the other game we didn't talk about it was Wind, Windham, Mount, Mount Blue at Windham, which is yeah. that's tough kind of a tough one. A tough draw for Mount Blue again, yeah, because Windham's played really, really well this year. Um, yeah. So tough way to end the season. But Mount Blue did get their win on uh, senior night a couple of weeks or a week or two ago. So, um, yeah, just tough season all around for, for Mount Blue as, as well as some other of these teams we've talked about. But, um yeah, Wyndham, Wyndham's been playing real well this year. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so that's okay, I was wrong. So in 2018, Oak Hill was seventh seed and Lisbon was the second, and Oak Hill beat Lisbon in a, a muddy oh. game. So okay. take that back. Uh, but anyway, I got to get going. What about – tell me something about uh, cross-country state – this cross-country to state championships before we take off. Okay, yeah. Uh, Logan Willette for Levitt ran like a 16.44 – and one class B South last week. And I think has a chance to uh, make some noise in the class B state title for Levitt. Jonathan Shoemaker uh, is also with Levitt wheelchair athlete uh, baller took three minutes off his PR from Twinbrook last week at regionals. Uh, Monmouth has Brosnan Comio and Alexa Allen, who both won their regionals uh, class C North, I believe. Uh, they should uh, place top 10, I think, in uh, top 10 worst case scenario uh, in Class C because on the girls' side, especially Ruth White from Orono is uh, just a monster who's going to run away with the thing. But uh, Edward Little and Mount Blue. Mount Blue has four girls led by Emma Charles, who usually is the Nordic skiing champion. Um, she finished third in A North last weekend. And then they had three others in the top 13 as well. So Mount Blue is going to be challenging for the A title. And Edward Little's led by Peyton Bell on the girl side. She came in second um, to the Bangor girl last week and should be uh, in contention for a top five, top eight spot in Class A this weekend as well. So uh, it's all at Belfast. Should be some fast times, uh, although it might be raining really hard. So who knows? Well, that's cross country, and that's my cross country minute, Lee. How'd I do? Okay, yeah, that was good. That was really, really interesting. I'm, I feel primed. 
So yeah. that's good. Okay, he's ready to go now. Yep. All right. Well, I guess we'll be back next week. Maybe next week we'll have our finally have that interview with the virus or the vaccine. Yeah, it's it's ducking us. And now it now it wants to give more vaccines, more boosters. So yeah. I don't know. It's gonna be hard to track it down, but it's been a busy vaccine. So yeah. but I, I still I believe. Yeah, we can we can do it. If any podcast can do it, it's us. Yeah, true. So yeah, join us next Thursday on the Sun Journal Sportscast.